Welcome. I'm Paul Bishop, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host Richard Prosh or I get to hang around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast water cooler, talking with friends and fellow writers who are also fans of the Western genre. With me today is my friend of longstanding, Max Allen Collins, whose list of impressive writing achievements speaks volumes about his skills as a wordslinger. In 2007, he was named a Grand Master by the Mystery Writers of America, has also been honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award presented by the Private Eye Writers of America. His graphic novel, Road to Perdition, became the Academy Award-winning Tom Hanks film. He has also completed 12 Mike Hammer novels begun by the late Mickey Spillane, as well as adapting Spillane's Western hero, Caleb York, into a series of novels currently being published by Kensington. In another venture into the Western, he wrote the novelization of the 1994 feature film reboot of Maverick, all things I'm sure we will be talking about today. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you, sir? How's life going? Right now, we basically go from our living room to our kitchen. Just like the rest of us, right? That's right. It may be the Wild West out there, but it's not the Wild West here sheltering and trying to stay alive. You're into writing the sixth Caleb York novel or the seventh? I just finished the sixth one, and I really love doing them. They're just a lot of fun. When did you first find out that there was a Caleb York? I know you were good friends with Mickey Spillane, but when was it that you first found out that he had this character? I would go visit him in South Carolina at his home uh, near Myrtle Beach, and he would share various things with me. We stayed up late into the night talking writing. I think one of the reasons why we connected so well and why he put up with me is he had lots of friends. This friend would be a dentist, and this other friend would be a guy who fixed radiators. His friends were all across the spectrum of life. But there were very few people who were writers that he could talk to. And so I would go down there and we would talk writing. And he would pull manuscripts out and show them to me and sometimes read them to me. When I have been completing the Mike Hammer books, often I know the ending. When I have a fragment I'm working with, maybe the first hundred pages, there's no ending. But he told me the end because we had these conversations. I knew a number of the endings of the Mike Hammer book. He was justifiably very proud of his endings because he was famous for surprise endings and shocking endings. And so he was like a little kid. I always kind of compared it to sitting around a campfire with him. And we'd go deep into the night, one or two, three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Didn't stop him from getting up at five because he was an early riser. He was an incredible guy. And so he talked about Westerns. He liked Westerns a lot. He considered Mike Hammer to be a modern-day Western hero. He often described Hammer as saying he was a good guy, but he wore the black hat. His idea was that Hammer was a hero who dealt with villains on their terms, with their tactics. And that explains a lot about heroes or antiheroes that he liked to write about. So the screenplay was called The Saga of Callie York, Callie being his nickname for Caleb. And he sent it home with me. It was a 110-page screenplay that he had written for John Wayne. They were very good friends. As you may know, Mickey starred in a movie called Ring of Fear, which was a movie that John Wayne produced. In the mid-50s, they really hung around quite a bit. And he would bring Mickey out to Hollywood and screen things for Mickey to get his opinion. And sometimes Mickey would actually make editing suggestions. Storytelling suggestions. What better storyteller than Mickey Spillane? He understood structure. Sure did. My favorite story about him, which is politically incorrect, is uh, he was brought out to look at the Alamo. And at the end, he said, you got to change the ending. And wait, well, Mickey, we can't change the ending. That's history. He said, nobody wants to spend $2 to see a bunch of Mexicans kill John Wayne. <laughs> 
obviously it's politically incorrect, but the movie didn't do as well at the box office as they expected. And nobody really wants to see John Wayne die at anybody's hand. You never knew what he was going to say. He told me one time, well, you know, you got to have a happy ending. And I said, Mickey, you do remember the ending of I, the Jury, don't you? <laughs> he said, well, all right, it wasn't happy, he said, but it was satisfying. And I thought, that's pretty smart. So at any rate, I had this Western screenplay in my drawer at home with various things he sent home with me. Called me his human wastebasket because he knew I was interested in all of this stuff. And of course, you know the story that as he was approaching his death, unfortunately, he had pancreatic cancer. And he knew his time was extremely limited. And that's when he asked me to, if necessary, complete the last of my camera novel that he was working on. And then that evolved into him telling his wife, Jane, that he wanted all of his material gathered and given to me to complete. And he had a lot of unfinished manuscripts, a lot of notes, etc. And then there were several screenplays, and that included this Caleb York screenplay. Now, I never thought about writing a Western. Right. It hadn't been in your over before. You had basically been a hard-boiled private eye writer, a historical mystery writer, and the Western just wasn't necessarily in your wheelhouse. That's true, although I've always had a big interest in particularly Western film. And in fact, one of the novelizations I wrote when I was doing movie novels was Maverick, which I went after because Maverick was my favorite TV show. So I had written that Western. And then I wrote a book called Black Hats, in which old Wyatt Earp meets young Al Capone in 1919 in New York. And that book has a lot of flashbacks to famous things like the gunfight near the OK Corral and so on. I've always had an interest in Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and grew up on the same TV shows I think that you grew up on, Paul. Absolutely. The Wanted Dead or Alive, The Rawhides, Maverick, of course, and so many others. People who are a little younger than us, and there's plenty of those, don't know just how big Westerns were on television in the late 50s and very early 60s. One season, they had 39 Westerns split between three networks. And speaking of 39, that's how many episodes a year they used to do. So there was a lot of Western entertainment. And that's what I grew up on. And that was followed by the private eye craze. So right after you had Gunsmoke and Maverick and Cheyenne and all of those shows, then you had 77 Synthet Strip, Peter Gunn, Perry Mason, and so on, and Mike Hammer. Which led into the spy craze, Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible. And that's our childhood, isn't it? And I loved it. And frankly, I did not read as much Western fiction as I read mystery and hard-boiled fiction. Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, Mickey Spillane, Jim Thompson, and so on. On the other hand, there are, as you well know, classically, there are a number of major and somewhat minor mystery writers who were also working in the Western field. And one no one talks about is W.R. Burnett. And W.R. Burnett, of course, wrote Little Caesar and High Sierra and The Asphalt Jungle and all this famous crime stuff. But he also wrote one of the first books based on Wyatt Earp called Law and Order. And he also did any number of Western novels, probably as many Western novels as he did crime novels. And then, of course, I think these two genres, the tough loner who was the private eye is not that different from the tough loner who was a gunfighter or a sheriff or a marshal. They're very much connected. And so the way the Caleb York book series came about was at a Batracon, the big convention for mystery writers and mystery fans, my wife and I were having breakfast with our editor, a woman named Michael Hamilton. And Michael is a big Mickey Spillane fan. Since Kensington is a publisher of Westerns, I just mentioned that I had the screenplay written by Mickey Spillane for John Wayne in my drawer at home. And she looked at me and said, can you give me three? I only have one screenplay. I have a few different drafts of the screenplay that Mickey shared with me. I would love to be able to turn this into a novel because it would be very much a real Mickey Spillane novel. She said, well, we like to do three books. So 
So I came aboard and basically I have been writing about this character and his little world now for six novels. There's a lot of backstory in Mickey's material that I could draw upon. But I have to say, my wife really came in handy because when I was asked to do extra books about this character, I thought, what do I do? Do I explore this backstory? Because Caleb had been Wells Fargo detective. And what should I do? She said, operate with the characters he created and the world he created, the town he created, the situations he created, and at least start there. And that's what I've done. I've stayed in this town he created with the sidekick character he created, the various townspeople he created, and have just followed the story on what I think is a logical way. I'm having a blast. Really love, love doing these. So you let it grow organically out of what Mickey created in the first place. That was the idea. And again, I give my wife, Barb, credit for that because my instinct initially was, well, I'll go back to those Wells Fargo days and maybe I'll write about some real cases because, you know, I have a tendency to do history-oriented stories and maybe I'll do Black Bart. And I still could do that. But there's an interesting romance where you have this saloon gal who loves him and you have a young woman who has inherited this ranch that was her father's. And it's Betty and Veronica out west, I guess. But that became a very interesting triangle because I think he really does care about both of these women. And I know you probably have dealt with this kind of thing too, Paul, which is how do you balance the mythic West with the real West? I think it's a challenge that Western writers have faced from the very beginning. I'm really interested in the mythic West, that West that I grew up on on TV and in the movies. As opposed to the revisionist West that we're seeing on movies and television today. Yes, in the, the actual West. You look at photos and they don't really look like something out of even John Ford. What I try to do is, since I have that kind of historical research bent, is I try to have the underpinnings be as real and historically accurate as I can manage and then allow the mythic West to play out in that context. So that if Caleb York walks into a hardware store in 1885, it will be what a hardware store was like in 1885. Or if he's on a ranch, it will be a ranch that is pretty accurate as to what a ranch would have been at the time. What I like to try to do is find things in actual history that will spark the fictional story. So the, the book that's out right now, Hot Lead, Cold Justice, is a book about an event called the Big Die-Up, which was this dramatic blizzard that really changed that entire cattle industry. And it's not something that's been dealt with much in fiction, to my knowledge. It certainly hasn't been in the movies much. And so that allowed me to place my mythic characters within that kind of reality. I think it's a very effective mix. I really enjoyed that book. I was fortunate enough to get an advanced reading copy of it, and it just made me want to go back and read the early numbers that I had missed in the Caleb York series. Now, when you said the female characters in the series are Betty and Veronica out West, do you feel in any way Caleb York is Mike Hammer out West? I think to some degree, in the one I just finished, I went out of my way to do a femme fatale, which I haven't really done, so that I could kind of have that by the jury feel and Mickey. I try to make these books crime stories at heart. My late friend Ed Gorman, when I said I was going to do these books, he said, are you going to do town mysteries or are you going to do the Western landscape? And I hadn't thought of it that way, but I really want to do town mysteries. I think they're very similar to Gunsmoke, but there's actually even more violence in, in Gunsmoke because with Mickey, the violence quotient comes up. It was never far away, was it? No, it's always a sense of danger. And there are moments in almost all of the books where Caleb does something rather shocking for a good guy. 
There are a lot of parallels with Gunsmoke, and I think that's a very good comparison. It's Gunsmoke with a higher body count. I think so. And he's sleeping with Miss Kitty once in a while. Uh Uh-oh. Not necessarily on stage. In fact, that was a decision I made because Mickey is famous for sex and violence. And while I've got the sensual romantic part of the story, I'm not explicit where sexuality is concerned. One of the producers of the Gunsmoke radio show said Miss Kitty was just somebody that Matt had to visit once in a while, and she wasn't selling chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) You asked about Mickey and Westerns. Mickey claimed he was basically the creator of Have Gun, Will Travel. He was a good friend of Star Trek's Gene Roddenberry, who was one of the major writers on Have Gun, Will Travel. And if you think about Paladin, he really was a private eye and gunfighter. So it seems to me those two seminal shows, Have Gun, Will Travel and Gunsmoke, are very, very much in the Spillane kind of vein. And that's why we have Caleb York. Al, thanks so much for being with us today. We really appreciate the time you take, and it's good to talk to you as always. Hopefully, you and I will talk again soon. Take care, my friend. Absolutely, and it's an honor to be on this great podcast. Thank you, sir. Until next time, be kind to others, be kind to yourself, and don't get your lariat in a twist. Adios. I'm out of here. Let's ride.